Praise the Lord for full salvation. It's a full salvation, right? And God still reigns upon his throne. And we know that his blood still reaches deeper than the stain has gone. And that's our gospel. It's his blood that reaches deeper than the stain has gone, not our works. Because some are saying, oh, Christ just made salvation possible, but we have to remove that stain with our works. That extra 1%, Brother Stan. <laughs> you need to be working, brother, to remove that. But praise the Lord for full salvation, for accomplished redemption in Christ Jesus. Let us go before him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne again this morning, Lord, to worship you through your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have given us that he may accomplish salvation as he accomplished salvation. He said it is finished. And because it's finished, all God's people have been given the way to come into your holy presence in peace without any fear. And because it is finished, Lord, we stand forgiven at the foot of the cross. We stand as those who have an everlasting hope and everlasting righteousness, as those who have already been judged through what Christ did in his life and his death and resurrection. And we proclaim, Lord, that the resurrection of Christ is the sure sign that he paid for all of our sins. And we have no more that we need to do for us to be accepted by him. For he is our righteousness. He is our sanctification and our full redemption. So Lord, we pray and we thank you for your word as we read it and try to understand it. Uh, Lord, may you open the minds of your people that they may hear this gospel, that they may see Christ in it. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is our communion sermon number 14. And as always, when we do communion, the purpose is to remember Christ. But God's people are always to be remembering Christ whenever they meet. God's people are always supposed to be remembering Christ. And to remember Christ, we are not going to have a monument that we are going to put up like at Mount Rushmore. That's not the kind of remembrance we are talking about. When we remember Christ, we are talking about his work of redemption. His finished work of salvation. For if he did not finish the work of salvation, then there is nothing for us to remember him by and four. So as we gather again today, we are gathering around the preaching of the gospel of God's grace in the salvation of his people. And our text today is going to be from 1 Samuel chapter 6. And it's going to be the whole chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 6 verses 1 to 21. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Now the ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel... Do not send it empty, but you shall surely return to him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What shall be the guilt offering which we shall return to him? And they said, 
five golden tumors and five golden mice according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you shall make likeness of your tumors and likeness of your mice that ravage the land and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will ease his hand from you, your gods and your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had severely dealt with them, did they not allow the people to go and they departed? Now therefore, take and prepare a new cut and two milk cows on which there's never been a yoke and hitch the cows to the cut and take their calves home away from them. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which you return to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. Verse 9. Watch. If it goes by the way of its own territory to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did so and took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. They put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the likeness of their tumors. And the cows took the straight way in the direction of Beth Shemesh. They went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines followed them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were, were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they raised their eyes and saw the ark and were glad to see it. The ark came into the field of Joshua, the Beshemite, and stood there where there was a large stone, and they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone, and the men of Bethshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices that day to the Lord. When the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned to Ekron that day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned for a guilt offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both of fortified cities, and of country villages. The large stone on which they set the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua the Bethshemite. He struck down some of the men of Bethshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck down of all the people 50,070 men, and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Verse 20, the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kiriath Jiriam, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it, take it up to you. That's the word of the Lord. Our title is the gospel according to the Philistines. The gospel according to the Philistines. And I have a number of titles. And I like the mystery of the golden tumors and the golden mice. The mystery of the golden tumors and the golden mice. Or you could say, 
who is able to stand before the Lord. You see, the title drives the message. But I think you have the same message from these titles. When we remember the Lord in communion, we are remembering him for his completed work of salvation. A lot of people don't know that. His work of salvation was finished in his life and death and resurrection. This one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, accomplished our redemption. His death on the cross was the culmination and completion of his obedience on behalf of his people, that his people may possess the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is by the gospel, the righteousness which is by grace through faith. And as I said, to remember the Lord is to preach the gospel. For there is nothing that reminds us about the person and work of Jesus than to hear and believe in his gospel. And that's why Apostle Paul would say, I determined to know nothing among you than Jesus and him crucified. And so in this story of Israel and the Philistines, we see the gospel of Jesus Christ depicted and preached. We see the shadows and images of the nature of the person and the work of Jesus and God's requirement of what needs to be done for atonement of sin. We see that sin cannot just be wished away and cannot be atoned for without the proper sacrifice that God requires. And for us to really understand what's going on, we shall be talking about the previous chapters, 1 Samuel chapter 4 to 5 and then to 6. We won't be spending much time there, but we'll just be referencing things so that we have proper understanding. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, this is what has happened. We learn that Israel had gone to war with the Philistines. But they were defeated. And so, they thought to bring the ark of the Lord to the battlefield. That maybe by it, the Lord would give them victory over their enemies. But again, they were severely beaten with the ark of the Lord. 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel were killed and the ark of the Lord was captured. And in 1 Samuel chapter 5, we are told that the Philistines, in their jubilant celebration of this victory, the victory of taking the ark of the Lord, knowing how much fear the ark of the Lord had caused all the nations around them, they had every reason to glory and to be jubilant. And so they put the ark of the Lord into their temple before their idol Dagon, as if to say Dagon had despoiled the God of Israel and had held the God of Israel captive. <laughs> So in their mind, the ark of the Lord was a trophy of conquest of the God of Israel. A defeat of the God of Israel. And so, to their way of thinking, Dagon 
had delivered Israel into their hands. Dagon was the victor and the Lord God of Israel had become a prisoner of war. But hear this. 1 Samuel 5, 3-5. When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. But when they arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor all who enter Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Hear this also from Verses 6 to 7. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdodites, and he ravaged them and smote them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. When the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is severe on us and on Dagon our God. (laughs) Of course. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against the Philistines and he knocked Dagon down and smote them with a plague of tumors that they even sought protection for their own God. Now you know that you have an idol if you have to protect him from destruction. (laughs) And if you have to carry him around. The purpose of a God is to go before you and protect you. But if you have to carry yours around to protect them from the God of Israel, then you are surely carrying an idol. (laughs) Anyways, the men of Ashdod realized that the ark was too hard to handle and so did not want to keep it. And they sent it away to another city named Gath. And it caused much affliction there too. And they did not want it. So they sent it yet to another city, Akron. Not Akron, Ohio. (laughs) And they too were afflicted and did not want it there. And so they said, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And we'll find out who is able to stand. Who is able to stand before the holy God of Israel? So in First Samuel 5, 10 to 12, this is what the writer said. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And as the ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites cried out saying, They have brought the ark of the God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. They sent therefore and gathered all the laws of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it return to its own place so that it will not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly confusion throughout the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were smitten with tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. And with that we'll go to our main text. 1 Samuel 6 verse 1 to 2. Now the ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we shall send it to its place. So the Philistines are in serious trouble because of the ark of the Lord. And they need an immediate solution to this plague. So they convened an impromptu meeting with their priests and diviners to see if any had insights from their God who was broken and defaced about how to deal 
with this matter. This is an emergency disaster planning and management committee. They have to find a solution, an immediate solution to this problem. But here, the solution that was proposed, the solution that was proposed by the priests and diviners of Philistine, verse 3, they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but you shall surely return to him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. So that is the first stage of the solution. The priests and diviners proposed some very good theology about how to deal with the God of Israel, the one and only true God. They said, if the ark of God had to be returned, it could not go back empty. It had to go with a guilt offering. What is that saying? It is saying the sin of capturing the ark of the Lord had to be atoned for by a proper sacrifice, a guilt offering. Just returning the ark to Israel was not enough because whoever would try to touch it, guess what? They would die. And yet they could not keep it. And as long as the ark remained in their presence, people continued to die. So the ark is causing death everywhere and it did not matter whether you knew where the ark was. As long as you were a resident of Philistine, you were affected by the tumors. And the ark's presence only meant one thing, death. The ark needs atonement if the land has to be healed. And if the guilt offering is offered, then the nation of the Philistines would be healed. And by this, it will be revealed why God's hand was not removed from them. And if the guilt offering was accepted, then the Philistines would know that it was by the hand of the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, that they were being smitten. Now, it sounds like these priests and diviners knew a thing or two about the God of the Bible. Even though their theology is messed up, because of course they worship Dagon, a false god, but on this point, their theology is on point. Their theology is on point not because they figured it out by themselves. No, no man can figure out atonement. No man can figure out a sacrifice that God accepts. The Philistines only knew what to bring to the God of Israel because is the God of Israel who was teaching them about sin and redemption. He is teaching them about the holiness of the Lord. For all the world, even the Philistine world, the uncircumcised world, must know that the Lord God of Israel is holy. The Philistines represented the other world, the uncircumcised world, the Gentile world, and then we have Israel. And they too need to know that the Lord God is holy. And there's no way for them to know that the Lord God is holy but by killing them. And so the Lord brings them something that kills them, the ark of the Lord. But let's go to the solutions that were proposed. There's going to be solution proposal number one, and that will be from verse four. 
Then they said, What shall be the guilt offering which we shall return to him? You can't just bring anything that you want. So they have to find the nature of the guilty offering. It can't just be anything. What is the nature of the guilty offering that God accepts? Because you may bring any sacrifice that you want, but if it is not agreeable with what God requires, guess what? There's no healing. There's no healing. And they said, five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on all of you and on your lords. And remember, the plague had affected five cities. The plague had affected five cities. I guess those were the major cities of the Philistines. But do not miss what the Holy Spirit is indicating there by one plague. He says, one plague was on all of you, one plague, and your lords. There's only one plague that plunged the human race into darkness. There's only one plague that affects all the children of Adam. There's only one plague that is on us and even our own rulers. And it is not cancer. Not human rights. Not climate change. Not balanced budgets. Those are symptoms of the plague. Sin is the plague. It is sin and the wages of sin is death. That's the point. And the soul that sins must die. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Hear this. Verse 5. Solution proposal. So you shall make likeness of your tumors and likeness of your mice that ravage the land and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will ease his hand from you, your gods, and your land. And so the plague was spreading through the mice. And it was causing tumors. And for atonement, the proposal was to make images of gold of that which was causing them trouble. Did you hear that? For atonement, they had to make images of gold of that which was causing them trouble. The mice and the golden tumors. And by these, the Lord would ease his hand from them their gods and the land. Let's work to solution proposal number two, verse seven to ten. They also propose this. Now therefore, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows on which there's never been a yoke. And hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put the articles of gold which you return to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. Watch. If it goes up by the way of its own territory to Beth Shemesh, then he has done this great evil. But if not, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the man did so and took two milk cows and hit them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. So in their superstition and practice, they sought to establish by some experiment, this is an experiment, to see who had caused this trouble and to know if the trouble had been correctly atoned for. 
and that the God of Israel had accepted the proposed solution. So this is very scientific. This is the scientific method. Apparently, the Philistines know something about science. So the next phase of the solution was to prepare, was to take and prepare a new and driverless cart. It did not have a driver, just the cows by themselves. And not a used cart, but a new cart, very important. And two milking cows on which there had never been a yoke. Why? And separate them from the cows who connect the points. And this was supposed to be a very good test because the cows would not want to leave their cows. And their cows would not want to be left behind by their mothers. And also, the cows were untrained. These are untrained cows. And once this was done, the ark of the Lord was to be put on the cart. And the cows sent away by themselves. So they said in verse 9, Watch! <laughs> if it goes by the way of its own territory to Bethshemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us, it happened to us by chance. So if the cows put the cart directly back to Israel, then their conclusion was, this is the Lord God of Israel who has done this to us. Okay? But if the cows just happened to wander aimlessly, then this was just a fluke. <laughs> it just happened by chance. And this is how pagans love for things to happen. By chance, you are so lucky. But what they don't know is this. The Lord is cast into the lap, but if every decision is from the Lord. So they are casting a lot. That's what they're doing. So in 1 Samuel 6.12, this is what it says. And the cows took the straight way in the direction of Beshemesh. They went along the highway, lowing as they went. That is making sounds. They're making sounds. And did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines followed them to the border of Beshemesh. Verse 13 to 15. Now the people of Beshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they raised their eyes and saw the ark and were glad to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua, the Beshemite, and stood there where there was a large stone. And they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. And the men of Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices that day to the Lord. So Beshemesh actually was Israel territory. They were now in Israel territory and was just 15 miles or so west of Jerusalem. So when the cart got there, the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that accompanied and offered burnt sacrifices of the cows to the Lord using the cart, the wood from the cart. These are the ways of the God of the Bible. And these are the ways of holiness. If you remember, the ark of the Lord had an inscription on it that said, Holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. And in the ark, there were three articles. The tablets of stone that had the Ten Commandments. The manna. And Aaron's rod that budded. And you can find this in Hebrews 9, 3 to 4. This is actually what it says. I'll read it. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense 
and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden jar holding the manna and Aaron's rod which budded and the tables of the covenant. So these are the elements that are in the ark and these are the elements that are causing trouble. And now we connect the pieces and see the gospel. We have already seen a lot of nuggets as we've been moving along. This story is not just a historical record of how God slew the Philistines with unvaccinated mice and boils. If that is all we read from it, then we miss the glory of the gospel. We have here the teaching of man's willful sin and their ignorance about the holiness of God and the need for proper atonement to make things right with God. The Philistines were physically uncircumcised people and they represented the natural state of all men born after the first Adam whose minds and hearts were uncircumcised, darkened by sin and did not know the way of handling the holy things of a holy and righteous God. The uncircumcision of their flesh represented the uncircumcision of all fallen men because of sin. And they thought they could just handle the ark of the Lord whichever way they wanted. They thought they could approach God whichever way they wanted and even to hold him captive. But they learned things the hard way. As soon as they brought the ark of the Lord before their idol, it started to cause them much trouble and affliction. War is me, for I am undone. That's the point. Dagon fell, and the people were dying, being smitten by tumors, that were coming by the way of mice. The theological lesson was not, do not eat mice if you want to live. I know Brother Stan doesn't like mice. And that's not the text for it, brother. <laughs> the smiting by the tumors was a type of our being smitten of our sin. As long as the ark of the Lord was amongst the unclean people, it continued to say the same thing. More tumors and more death. As long as the ark of the Lord continued to be among sinful people, it continued to ask for atonement. The ark had the law of God in it. And it represented the holiness of God that all sinners have failed to obey. It was the law that was killing them. It was not the manner that was killing them. It was the law that was killing them. So the ark represented the presence of the Lord. It represented the holiness of the Lord. And sinners could not be close to a holy and righteous God and not die without proper atonement. And as long as the law of God remained unfulfilled in them and us, it continued to demand the same thing, atonement or death. But by the sovereign hand of God, the Philistines, priests and diviners, proposed a solution to appease the wrath of God. And this was their solution. The solution was to make God and mice that were in the likeness of the mice that were spreading the plague. They also had to make God an image of the tumors that had smitten the people. It sounds like God's solution that he proposed 
to Israel in Numbers 21. When Israel had sinned against the Lord and were being beaten by fiery serpents. Hear this. Numbers 21, 6 to 9. Numbers 21, 6 to 9. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they beat the people. So that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said. We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent beat any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. So God's solution for the children of Israel when they were being beaten by the fiery serpents, was to make an image of that which was causing death to them and to look to it for healing. For the Philistines, God's solution was for them to make images of that which was also causing them death. But instead of looking at it, This time he required the offering of a guilt offering to come with it. What is that saying? It was saying sin requires atonement. And this atonement could not happen any other way that men determined. It may look to us like the Philistine priests and diviners had this figured out by themselves. But that is not true, as I said. The priests and diviners were not just lucky to stumble on a solution that God just happened to accept. If the Philistines have to bring anything that is acceptable to the Lord, it can't be from their own imagination. Even though Because of their ignorance, it looks like their proposed solution came from their imagination. The Lord is sovereign over this priest. As he was sovereign over Balaam. Remember Balaam, though a false prophet, could not prophesy beyond what the Lord had given him to prophesy. (laughs) And so, the Lord uses him To pronounce blessing on his people. It was not coming from Balaam's mind. It was coming from the Lord. Even though Balaam was a false prophet. So the proposed solution to sin. Can only come from God. If it has to be acceptable to him. But listen to the solution again. The solution required likeness between those who were being afflicted and the one who comes to lift them out of the affliction. Requires likeness. The sin in man is represented by the plague that was coming out of the mice. And the atonement required that golden mice be made. The golden mice that were used for atonement looked like the real mice that were bringing the plague and yet had no plague or disease in them. They were made of pure gold, undefiled and clean. The golden tumors too had no uncleanness in them. And that is how they were fit to make atonement. The bronze serpent had no venom in itself. 
and yet it looked like the ones that were biting the people and causing death. And yet it was this bronze serpent that God raised through Moses that became the object of faith and healing, even though the healing itself came from God. The Philistines were not healed by the golden mice. The children of Israel were not healed by some bronze. It's Christ himself who healed them. What is that saying? If man were to be lifted from sin, there was need for one who was made in the likeness of sinful flesh, but without sin. Who would come and condemn sin in the flesh? As Apostle Paul would say in Romans 8, 3-4. For what the law could not do, the law could not help the Philistines. The law could not help the Philistines. In that it was weak through the flesh. The Philistines were sinners. They could not honor the law. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So the coming of the golden mice and the golden tumors is the likeness of the sending of the son. On account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the Philistines could not go and catch mice from the fields. And if they were in 21st century America, they could not go to a pet store and get some pet mice for atonement. They could not. All the mice in the land of the Philistines carried this plague. They had to find different kinds of mice. They had to find different representations of the mice that were not contaminated. Mice that were holy and undefiled. You, you need some mice that are holy and undefiled for your attainment. And these had to be made from different materials. Uncontaminated materials. Pure gold. But in the likeness of the mice that cause trouble. And so this Jesus, if he has to be able to atone for sin, he had to be made in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, just as the golden mice and tumors were made on account of sin. That judgment could be removed from the Philistines. The golden mice and the golden tumors were types of Christ. In that they did not carry the contagion. They did not carry that which was causing trouble. But they only looked like what was causing the plague. And by them being offered to God, condemnation was removed. And so, a very important theological understanding coming from this. And so Jesus' body was not made from Mary's body and could not be from Mary. Because that would be like atonement from mice from the contaminated fields. In the case of the Philistines. Because God could have said, go catch two mice and bring. But he proposed a different solution. Mary was from the stock of the first Adam. And could not by herself provide sinless seed that could atone for sin. Jesus' body was made by the Holy Spirit that he may be holy, undefiled, innocent, and separate from sinners. And this is what qualified him to be the sacrifice that God accepted for our sins. So the law that was in the Ark of the Covenant could not help the Philistines. 
The law could only condemn them. They touched the ark, which only the Levites were supposed to carry, according to the law of God. Not all of Israel could just carry the ark. The law of God could only be honored by him whom God appointed as the high priest, Jesus Christ. Anybody else who tries to take a look into the ark, as these people were doing, they died. Even from those among Israel, the Lord caused a great slaughter after the ark had been returned to Israel. And these people came, they're trying to check, see if everything was in there. <laughs> and this is what happened. He struck down some of the men <laughs> who had looked into the ark of the Lord. And he struck how many people? 50,070 men. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Let's see how the ark became safe for the Philistines. The ark only became safe for the Philistines to handle and put it on the cart after atonement had been provided. Before they would have died. However, the Levites, the ones who were shadow priests to Jesus, could handle the ark and not die. They took the ark from the cart and when they did that, nobody died. But when certain presumptuous people came and they were going to take a peep, the Lord killed them because they were not appointed to look into the things of God. And this also happened in 2 Samuel 6, verse 6 to 7, with Uzzah, who also tried to steady the ark when it was falling from the cart. And the Lord killed him. Okay. But here is some understanding of who was qualified to handle the ark. God appointed certain people and tribes to be the only ones who could handle the ark. Listen to Numbers 4 and verse 5. When the camp sets out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and they shall take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of testimony with it. That's Aaron's. Numbers 4, 15. When Aaron and his sons have finished covering the holy objects and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is to set out, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them so that they will not touch the holy objects and die. These are the things in the tent of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. So there's a list of things that the Kohathites could carry. The Kohathites were Levites, but they were not direct descendants of Aaron. Only direct descendants of Aaron from Aaron could open and see. Not anybody. Even if they were a Levite. Only Aaron. Numbers 4, 17-20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, Do not let the tribe of the families of the Kohathites be cut off from among the Levites, but do this to them that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign each of them to his work and to his Lord. But they shall not go in to see the holy objects, even for a moment, or they will die. The Philistines don't know that. And they have, they have the ark of the Lord. So he's killing them. So the Kohathites, who were Levites, could carry the ark, but could not look into it. 
Aaron alone as the high priest could look into the ark without dying. And as I said, to be a high priest you had to be a Levite and a direct descendant of Aaron. Very, very important. And of course, the diviners and the priests of the Philistines were ignorant of this. They were not Levites. They were not Israelites. So they were in serious trouble. So what are we to learn from this? The God of Israel is the God who appoints things. He appoints the way that he has to be approached. And yet sinners think that they are going to approach him whichever way they want. And if they do and when they do, they are going to learn it the hard way. They are going to learn that the ark of the Lord causes death. And that is to say, the law of God causes death. And they are going to learn that the law of God does not return to him empty. That is, the law of God does not return to him without fulfillment by way of a proper sacrifice, an undefiled sacrifice. Sinners are going to learn very late that holy things are not to be looked at or touched without Jesus as the atonement of sin. So what are we saying in all this? We are talking about the person of Jesus and the qualification of Jesus as our substitute. As the one whom God has appointed as the rightful representative and sacrifice to atone for our sin. We are saying that it was necessary for our salvation for God to take up human flesh that he may unite with us. That is the purpose of the likeness. Atonement requires likeness of the one who has to come and do the work of redemption. He has to identify with those that he is redeeming. And this is why Apostle Paul said in Galatians 4, verses 3 to 5, and said, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The Philistines were held in bondage by their sin. And all the elementary things of the world, you can tell by their theology. And of course, God's judgment was on them. They didn't know the law was given to reveal to them that they were sinners. And they needed atonement. And we too were held under the bondage of sin. We were held under the bondage of the law and death. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, that he may also be subject to the same weaknesses of what was biting us, but without sin. He had to sinlessly experience the life of fallen humanity, and that means he too had to be born of a woman. He had to be under the law for our complete union with him. He also had to go through the same experience of birth, life, and death. So for atonement to happen, there had to come one who was sinless, but who is of the same likeness as those who had sinned and yet without sin, just as the golden mice and golden tumors did not have that which was causing death to the Philistines. 
the likeness of the golden mice and the golden tumors to the actual mice and tumors was for union. Don't miss that theological point. It's developing the idea of union and imputation. If sin has to be atoned, there has to be union between the sinner and the sinless one. The sinless one, as we finish, the sinless one has to enter into the place of the sinner and accomplish atonement for them and that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He entered into our place and he accomplished atonement for us. But hear this. The cows had never been yoked. Which means they had never carried the burden of pulling things. Pulling burdens is a type of carrying sin. But these had not been yoked as Christ was never yoked of sin. And thus was qualified to make atonement to God on our behalf. Listen to this. The Ark of the Covenant had to be carried not on an old cut, but a new cut. When you read those things, you have to ask, why specify things that way? Why do you have to give that extra detail? Why not just say cut? The Ark of God has to be carried on a new cut. And if atonement has to happen, it can't be by anyone who was hewn from the race of the fallen Adam. Atonement needed one whose body was prepared of the Holy Spirit. One who was holy and undefiled. So in this we see the picture of full atonement and satisfaction of God's holiness and wrath. The Lord God accepted the sacrifice that the Philistines had offered. And he removed the affliction from them. He did. And this is the true way of the gospel. The Philistines had relief from God's judgment not because they had gotten better as a people. They still had broken pieces of Dagon. They still had their priests and diviners. They were still wicked people. However, the Lord stopped killing them because they had made proper atonement of God's wrath. And as long as that atonement stood, God could not punish them for that particular sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice, by his obedience, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. God has accepted the sacrifice and payment that was made on our behalf. And just as the ark of God could not go back to God empty, so none shall appear before him empty. And being empty means not having the sacrifice, the proper sacrifice that God accepts and not having the righteousness that God accepts. In Christ Jesus, we have the perfect sacrifice and the righteousness of God. God is pleased with us on account of his son. And there's none, for those who may be listening, <laughs> There's none who can retain the ark of the Lord with anything that pleases God as to stop the plague on them other than Jesus Christ. There's nobody. Even now, the plague of the mice and tumors abounds in our own land. We have still a number of Philistines who have not been atoned for. And sinners are dying from the tumors of sin and are going to hell because they 
know not the way of peace with God. And they have refused the way of peace with God. Not this man. Give us Barabbas. We don't want this man. But the blood of the Son of God has made atonement for our sins fully and completely. And God has looked at his Son and what he did and he was satisfied. He looked at the labor of his soul and was satisfied. And because of Christ, God now looks at us not as afflicted by the boils, but as those having the golden tumors without any defilement in us. And this because of Jesus. And this is how we remember him. Who can stand before this holy God? It's we the redeemed of the Lord who can stand before this holy God. Because of Jesus Christ. Who was the mystery in the golden tumors and the golden mice? And that is our gospel. And praise the Lord. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for your gospel. Thank you for the mystery of the gospel that you had hidden from the wise and the prudent, but you have now revealed it to us, the babies and the suckling. And Lord, even as we remember the perfect offering of your son on account of our sin, Lord, may you just imprint on our hearts that Jesus Christ really accomplished salvation for his people. And there's none who can bring anything that God accepts. And there's none who can bring the ark of the Lord empty. The law of the Lord requires fulfillment. And we have that fulfillment in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we pray and we thank you for the word that you've given us. May be with your people. May be with us as we continue to worship you. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.